0: Welcome to the Need More Buffs podcast, the unofficial Lightseekers podcast sponsored by DeliveryCrab.com. DeliveryCrab.com, your number one source for Lightseekers cards and three points of healing. Welcome back, Seekers. This is episode 15 of Need More Buffs, and I'm your host, Matt Sonnenberg. Today's guest is not just some random guy, or well, wait, actually he is. His name is Steven Lai, and he goes by literally some random guy. I had the pleasure of meeting Steven first at PAX Unplugged and got to follow up with him again at PAX South, even though he wasn't able to play in the Lightseekers tournaments. I love hanging out with this guy, and he really does know his card games. He knows strategy, he knows how to build decks, he knows how to play, and I am very happy to bring him on the show today. Today we'll be discussing a Dread deck. It's just something, going back into previous episodes, I'm surprised we haven't had a Dread deck on the show yet. With with how much I have seen them been played at tournaments, had to play against them myself, and just with how much positive talk there is about the Dread deck, I'm very surprised that we haven't had one on the show yet. The show notes for this episode can be found at deliverycrab.com slash zero one five. That's deliverycrab.com slash zero one five. But I hope you enjoy this episode and join me in welcoming some random guy. Welcome to the show, Stephen. How are you doing today?
1: I'm not bad. Uh, I just came back from Pack South, where I I should say I watched everyone that was at them uh, <laughs> unplugged compete, but did not uh, actually get to compete myself, unfortunately.
0: That was very unfortunate. We were, we, I, in particular, was looking forward to seeing you play again because <laughs> how you performed at South, or uh, unplugged, and then you told me you were coming to South and I was excited to see it again, but uh, it just wasn't in the cards this time.
1: I know. I, I had plans. Well, I always have plans to go to Pack South now I'm always going to be heading to unplugged and I always mm-hmm. head to PAX East as well. Okay. So I was really excited when I saw that Lightseekers was going to be having feature events at South and then East. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, you know, now I can really t- tweak this deck. I had even bought a few extra cards to, for small updates I wanted to make, but, uh, my, I, I also work at one of the board game exhibitors that regularly goes to PAX. And my shifts there were extended, so unfortunately, I would not be able to make any future tournaments.
0: Yeah, and spe- speaking of that, like I knew you were there with one of the exhibitors. I-, I I knew it was what was it North Star?
1: Yeah, it's a North Star Games. Okay, they make uh, Evolution and Wits and Wagers.
0: Okay, oddly enough, I've played Wits and Wagers as well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we we had a good time when we stopped by at South. Like I I didn't know that was your booth and oh okay like when they had just been talking like mandy and bova had mentioned that they had evolution at home but they hadn't played it yet and they wanted to try it out and then Chris said that he had heard something about it and so we were just going to try that game little did i know until i got to the booth and saw north star games i'm like wait a minute and then sure enough two minutes later there you were (laughs) So we, we did amazing. not go to the booth knowing that you would be there. they went there specifically for the game, and it happened to be the same booth
1: wow, and it just happened to coincide with with my ships as well, yeah, so even even luckier there
0: absolutely so we from, we definitely have from a good my time.
1: perspective i I'm just working the booth as normal, I'm kind of sitting at the table waiting to demo evolution, climate for folks and 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 this pack of four Lightseekers pros from Unplugged just shows up and demands a demo. <laughs> <laughs> we do what it was, we can. It was delightful.
0: So speaking of games, though, you obviously have experience with things other than Lightseekers. Mm-hmm. So where did you actually get your start? Like, is Lightseekers the first TCG you've played? You've just been in board games before, or where? What's your background?
1: Well, I got into board games when I was in college, but I had started playing Magic the Gathering when I was in uh, high school. Okay. I I went pretty deep into that, not paying a lot of money. We really just played with you kind know, of free proxy programs online, mm-hmm. but I got a lot of experience there just because the the person I was jamming in a lot of games with, with uh Stanley Chang was really experienced. And so he was able to tell me a lot about kind of having a plan and always playing to kind of maximize for for effect sure. uh, never just never just throwing all your cards out there
0: <laughs> yes having a plan is definitely good
1: and that's that's actually really really crucial with with light seekers um it's, it's a lot about tempo and playing the right cards at the right time
0: did, did you ever get into like the competitive scene with magic then or was it always just kind of friendly games on the side
1: it was always friendly games you know i've played in a handful of pre-release events okay besides that um the you know i've played a little bit of hearthstone always reluctant to put down money for it but i uh, i'm actually currently playing another digital card game called eternal produced by uh, dire digital and it's some of the designers on that are also magic the gathering pros or even hall of famers okay and that's kind of what I've been currently sinking my teeth into.
0: Awesome. So now the the big question is, one, how did you find out about Lightseekers? And two, what drew you into it?
1: I, I found out about Lightseekers just by, by looking through the list of events that were happening at Unplugged. Wow. You know, I know that for some of the folks that have come on the show, mm-hmm. like Mandy and Bova, they just discovered the Game at the convention, and yep, they just
0: walking by the booth,
1: sure. mm-hmm. and they they immediately just bought boxes of product <laughs> <laughs> on the spot, and were staying up till three a.m. I think they still do stay up till three a.m.
0: They yeah, they did it again it's, at <laughs> South. It's ridiculous what the how much time they put into it, like just on that weekend, even
1: really condensing all of that, all of the 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 brewing into one or maybe two nights. Yeah, whereas. I had seen this in advance, and I I actually went and scoured the internet for for any and all Light Lightseekers info. Yeah, you know I had joined the discords, I was reading just about every forum post, trying to figure out what what is this game, how does it play, what is the meta like, because I saw that there was going to be a big tournament with a really attractive prize pool.
0: Definitely, yeah, and and before unplugged there really wasn't a big
1: scene unfortunately that was what made it so difficult (laughs) yes i
0: i I can only imagine how tough it was for you i mean coming from like a magic background when they have 20 plus years of content out there Mm -hmm. and now you have light seekers that's in reality less than a year old And trying to put this together and trying to figure things out and trying to prepare. Back then, especially, you were really at a stage where you just had to kind of do it yourself. Yeah. Like, there wasn't a lot out there at all. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: I ended up having to actually create proxy cards. Okay. And in order to do that, I needed high-quality images. Mm -hmm. So, I actually ended up going onto the Delivery DeliveryCrab website (laughs) and finding the individual cards. Uh, saving all of them and then kind of clumping them up into pages that I could then print out, cut up, put onto placebo cards, and then bring them to my friends to play after teaching them the game and telling them that I needed their help to train. <laughs> like this, this, these were the lanes that I had to go to in order to just get light seekers experience, and, and I was willing to do it.
0: That's awesome. So I have to ask too then. Your friends that help you train for this, did they enjoy the game as much as you did?
1: I really played most of my games with one friend. Okay. Um, He is a big Pokemon player, and I, I think he didn't quite get the game in the way that I did. <laughs> sure. The the tempo felt weird to him, and, and admittedly, Lightseekers does have a kind of unique flow to the game because you don't have natural card draw, so you need to... Mm-hmm pace yourself. And so it was a little maybe disorienting for him to, to have a really explosive couple of turns and then just stall out for several turns after that trying to get cards back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. That, that, that was something. Yeah. When I was starting too, it's, it, it's something you had to learn. I, I, I remember a number of games when I was sitting there with like one or two cards in my hand. I'm like, you just don't have options at that point. And mm-hmm. if you don't have card draw built into your deck, you're going to, basically be stuck there or just be stuck drawing two cards a turn while they keep destroying you
1: so. and that's why these these practice games were so so useful mm-hmm. so that i could feel out that flow especially for what kind of pace my deck needed
0: yeah very true did, did you experiment with a lot of different decks or did you just kind of pick one and go with it because i
1: i know what you ended up with but <laughs> um i when, when i was looking Around at the decks that different people had built, there, I suppose, were two styles that appealed to me. Um, I always know that the aggressive beatdown decks are very strong at the early stage of a meta, mm-hmm. just cause they're very efficient and it's, it's easy, or I suppose it's easier than combos. In that you can see efficiency yeah. a lot easier. And then uh, I saw that there was this uh, interesting kind of dread, creeping dread, uh, maybe, uh, where you accumulate buffs and just slowly accumulate this advantage that over eventually overwhelms the opponent. Mm-hmm. And once I saw that deck, I was really hooked. And I knew I kind of wanted to play something in this style.
0: And so... Like you said, Dread is where you ended up, obviously. It's one of the two orders that I have the least experience with right now, Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: Astral being the other one. Oh, yeah. When I went into the tournament, I had not played against Astral. I had not seen any Astral cards, and that made the revelation of Black Hole very, very surprising (laughs) to me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, if you don't know that's there, that can be <laughs> a game wrecker for for sure. But yeah, we we got your dread deck here today that we're gonna talk about a bit. Why don't you give us a quick rundown of your dread deck list and then we'll break it down from there.
1: Sure. So the dread hero I'm running is Sicario. The ability on him is really what drives the deck. Mm-hmm. Um you take two damage and then you can put two buffs into play the the wording there is is quite specific and we'll probably uh we'll probably come back to that yeah so there are uh, only two types of attack cards in deck i have three defilers and three shadow puppets there are only two defend cards in the deck those are assassin's guilds and the bulk of the deck uh, is buffs so uh at three ofs we have abyss tentacles abyss weavers wall of bones and soul traders Two of's, we have Night Lurkers, Shadow Suppliers, Putrid Shamans, and Colossal Artifacts. Then we have a single Swamp Creeper and Creeble Infiltrator. Finally, with the five buffs, we have Shroud of Night, Ghostly Grasp, Breach the Veil, Toxic Haunt, and Shadow Prison.
0: So, like you said, Sicario. Right now, I mean, I don't know if I've even seen a constructed dread deck that is not running Sicario. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 like there, there's some interesting heroes out there, and some some that I really want to try. But I wonder if other people have tried them, or they they are just so attracted to Sicario's ability that they they write everybody else off. Did it, did you ever try any others, or was this the first one? It's like that that feels like the most powerful. Let's try it out.
1: Honestly, I didn't. Um, you know, I, I saw that ability. I I knew it would be it would be pretty. It, pretty good at least at what this deck is meant to do and you know uh the 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 collection of cards is all designed with kind of the purpose of putting buffs into play and then just getting uh getting procs from cards like abyss tentacle abyss weaver and uh, little combos but i mean i can't really take any of the credit for this, this deck list, I suppose like 95% of it was actually on the Lightseekers forums. And I had used the deck list, which came from uh, wanton nerd,
0: okay.
1: who uh, is someone I actually met in real life. Uh, <laughs> That's always I, exciting. <laughs> I saw him at Unplugged. Unbeknownst to me, he was working the booth for Lightseekers. Mm-hmm. And, and we had gotten to chatting. I think we checked in like the first couple of days. It wasn't until we had already completed the tournament and I think actually left that I realized, oh, you know, my, my friend Chino, he's actually want a nerd. He's actually the guy I used the deck from. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think it was a, a similar revelation that the opponent I played in maybe the, the second or third round, uh, you know, just some guy named Matt, you know, whatever yep uh he he There's was actually out there i know yeah <laughs> so he was actually the person who ran a podcast whose episodes i had listened to in the course of scouring the internet for all information about lightseekers and his was the website where i had bought maybe half of my deck from
0: also true yes
1: <laughs> uh, i i've been like silently or uh discreetly trying to figure out who you were at this tournament <laughs> Um And it wasn't until you approached me uh, after the finals and handed me a need more buffs business card that I realized, oh, this is you. I actually played against you. Hey, how's it going?
0: It was a solid game. Yeah, I enjoyed
1: that one. For the record, it was a solid thrashing that I received.
0: <laughs> I didn't want to throw it out there if you didn't want to. But yes, <laughs> I, I believe I did win that game. Oh, yeah, it turns oh. out
1: uh, re- recursive buff removal. Is fantastic against a buff heavy deck such as this Sakario deck.
0: Yeah, yeah, my 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 storm well storm nature deck back in the day. I, I haven't played that in a while, but it's, it sounds weird to say since I've only been like competitively playing this for like three months. But it's true. I I haven't really touched that deck since unplugged. I've been meaning mm-hmm. to go back to it and tweak it and see how much better I can make it because I feel that. I know a lot more than I did back then.
1: Yeah, yeah. Seeing, seeing, kind of what's out there and and mm-hmm. what's possible, and the maybe new standards of, of DPS and board control really changed the way I looked at this deck after Unplugged. I mean, it it starts out. I mean, the the real focus of the deck is is looking at putting as many buffs into play as you can with Sicario's ability. Mm-hmm. There's you're trading two damage for an extra action efficiency um, in that kind of one action will let you put two things into play. but the the really interesting bit is that because it's not play two cards, it's put two cards into play, you're able to bypass stat restrictions. Yes. Uh, and also you you're able to bypass duplicate card restrictions. So you can put two abyss Technicals into play, whereas normally you could not play the same card.
0: Yeah, it it really gives you a lot of options. And just because we, I don't think we've covered too many dread decks on the show yet. I do you want to read this out for Sicario's ability? If you're not familiar with it, it is an ability that says, "Take two damage, move two action buffs from your hand into play." So that's what we're talking about here. It's it's you do take a little bit of damage you do have to use the ability which is also important because the the dread deck does have a number of other abilities that can be activated on other cards so th- this is going to use up your ability for the turn mm-hmm. but like you said you you get that advantage and get to move to well valid action buffs into play and the number of buffs you can have in play just piles up so quickly while you're doing this.
1: Yeah. I think on some of the, uh, I think on the kill turns, um, and the semifinals match, I had 10 buffs in play, 12 buffs in play, Uh, something, something probably too large, um, (laughs) uh, larger than, than should, should have been played. If I'd known about things like black hole. Yeah uh so you'll hear the commenters in that match uh uh very often uh referred to my play as uh greedy and i love it (laughs)
0: oh that that, that's good i don't think i've actually (laughs) sat down and listened to that match yet but now i'm gonna have to go see what see what they're talking about yeah
1: Yeah. and so the the, yeah the, the goal of this of the deck is to put as many as many buffs into play as possible um Cards like Abyss Tentacle, uh, and Abyss Weaver both have triggers Mm -hmm. such that when you, when they are in play and you use an ability, they will either deal two damage to an opponent or they will heal you for one. So having a lot of these will passively, uh, heal you up, deal damage, kind of negate Sicario's drawback, which is that you do take two damage yourself and having additional Items on the side, such as Puja Shaman, which increases the damage that you do, which will actually apply to each individual Abyss Tentacles damage. Um, admittedly, it also applies to the self damage from Sicario as well. But mitigating that with cards like Wall of Bones, which is a flat damage reduction, and will reduce the Sicario self damage as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, that that's always a nice kind of side effect almost, that you can block the damage that you're doing to yourself. I know I've done that in mountain decks a lot of time. Mm-hmm. If you're playing Dolo and you, you're forced to take that two damage to draw two cards, you can throw up some kind of block like that and not worry about it and just draw your two cards. So you can do the same thing here with Sicario, block that two damage and just play your two cards.
1: All right, and then for that reason, Wall of Bones was one of the the kind of key cards for efficiency, since you're able to get use out of it on both sides of the table. Uh, the rest of the cards, you know, Soul Trader and, and Night Lurker and Shadow Supplier. Soul Trader uh, allows you to regain uh, a bunch of health at once, but at the cost of taking self damage later. Yes,
0: um, I, and that that's what I want to talk about a little bit because yeah, I, I on first glance, I've I, I looked at it and like what 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 use is this
1: right because like, you're take your healing for 7 but then taking 7 over the course, seven, of, the over course th- of the next three, 3 turns yeah
0: since my first look at it i've seen it played in tournaments against me even a number of times and seen it used so efficiently like i i didn't think about there are cards that let you remove your own buffs mm-hmm. so you play it take the 7 healing and then remove it and you just get to keep the healing
1: and that's the reason why Night Lurker is my deck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you, you play Night Lurker and its ability lets uh, just, you know, does it straight two damage, but will first trigger any Abyss Tentacles and Abyss Weavers. Uh, additionally, you can also sacrifice any buff on your side of the table to deal additional damage and get some healing. Mm-hmm. And so this lets you play a Soul Trader without Sicario and then use your one ability per turn on Night Lurker to immediately sacrifice soul trader
0: and that's the way to do
1: it yeah it's a big bump especially if you have something like putrid shaman in play Um, and you can repeat that trick with shadow supplier as well um, which doesn't do anything for the first uh, three corners but on the last corner draws you cards equal to the number of buffs you have in play once that has hit and you have a, a full grip Shadow Supplier is just going to rotate out on the next turn, so you might as well use Night Lurker's ability to sacrifice it and get a little bit of extra damage and healing there.
0: Yeah, that, that's a good call. You, you've, you've explained most of your deck pretty well so far. I see you do, which surprised me a little bit, uh, That have, have the two Colossi artifacts in there. Now, th- th- this is something I see in a lot of people's sideboards, but not so much in your main board right away did you find yourself using these a lot or was it a, a, a remnant of the net deck that you found from wanton nerd or is this something you purposely put in there?
1: So the two colossal artifacts and the Crebel infiltrator were my additions into the deck. Okay. I was trying to think of, you know, what will this meta look like? I know there'll be some rush decks in there. And uh, I think what had concerned me more was that I kind of, I had kind of read about a, a few veiled veiled boasts about, you know, one-turn one, one turn kills. And I knew that some of these very, very smart brewers were going to be coming to Pax Unplugged. And that I knew there would be, well, I figured that there would be some big bursts. And Colossi Artifact, which reduces the damage from all action cards uh, down to four for four turns, is a fantastic way of dealing with that, especially since it's not a big burden for me to play it as it can be one of the two cards that gets put into play via Sicario.
0: Yeah, I didn't even think about that, but yeah, that's true. Um,
1: It it really came in handy during the the semifinals again where the Astral player was was setting up for a couple of big turns Mm -hmm. and I could put down a Colossi Artifact and then even a Wall of Bones after it. And so because of the way that cards are checked, uh, where cards played earlier are checked first, the Colossal Artifact will reduce any amount of damage, whether it's 12 or 16, down to 4. And the Wall of Bones will reduce that 4 even further. Very true.
0: Yeah, that, that, that's one of those interesting interactions that order of play really does matter. Another one we ran into a lot this past weekend at uh, PAX South was that interaction in the nature deck where one card resets if you've been healed. Mm. So they had a card, a buff that heals you, and a buff that resets when you get healed. And if you play them one before the other, one after the other, it makes a big, big difference.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there's there's a lot of honestly surprising intricacies with Lightseekers that that I really needed to pour over the rules for. Mm-hmm. I kind of had a cheat sheet of things to remember, especially because the Sakura deck has a lot of specific interactions, such as the, the abyss tentacles and abyss weavers, these trigger on ability effects yeah. happening before the ability resolves. Yeah. I, and I, so you're able to do things like, you know, use your night lurker ability to deal damage, but actually sacrifice one of the abyss tentacles the abyss tentacle will still do its 2 damage to the opponent
0: mm-hmm. because
1: technically it activates before the night lurker's ability which would sacrifice it
0: and and th- this was one of the hardest things when i first got the game and i was sitting down with my brother to play it and so like this was way before we had this community we before we had the active forums and this type of thing Where I could just go in and ask someone and get an answer within (laughs) the hour. Like I, I didn't have that ability. And so I was sitting there reading the rules and reading the rules again and again and trying to figure it out and trying to make sense of it. But there's, it still felt like there were three ways I could interpret it. But now that we've been playing for a few months, now that we have a community to talk to, now that we've, we've gotten a chance to talk to the creators themselves, which was another amazing thing about Packs Unplugged, but definitely. It just feels like everything actually does make sense. Yeah, yeah. We we just had to take the time and enough repetition to learn, like I said, all those little intricacies of of the game.
1: Yeah, now that it's explained, I see the logic behind it, Mm -hmm. and it all makes sense. It definitely was not all ingrained at the time of playing. Yeah. and so That's why also during the match, you see occasional talking with the judge, because I think he had to tell me about five Different like rule infractions <laughs> <laughs> I had made uh, during the match, but but once that's set, you know it it's set. You bring it through. Um, the the Lightseekers wiki was also lists out most of these interesting interactions as well. Yeah. So you kind of go through each card in the deck and and make sure you're up to date on on how this how this really ought to play, which yes. is not something apparent when it's me teaching it to somebody who doesn't know the game. <laughs>
0: For anybody out there who hasn't checked it out already, lightseekers.cards slash wiki is your best
1: friend. Yeah, and past that, just ask the friendly folks on the uh, online Lightseekers League Discord.
0: It's true. Yeah. A lot of good help there. Finally, we have your combos. Most of them I've seen before. I, I, I understand, like, Shadow Prison, straightforward damage. I I do appreciate the amount of, I guess, resurrection that you can get out of the Dread deck, and you have Mm -hmm. a couple of those in there as well. The one I didn't realize was in there, because I haven't seen too many people play, though, is Shroud of Night.
1: Right. So Shroud of Night, it's a a three-turn buff, and during those three turns, which happens immediately, you, you can't be attacked and you increase damage and healing done by shadow cards by, by two, which is the corner. This was, this was kind of the anti-rush card, um, yeah. or if, uh, depending on combos, um, kind of anti-combo, yeah, anti-burst card. If I saw something, you know, if I, let's say I was facing another, another Dread deck, and I saw a couple of Putrid Shamans, these damage-boosting effects... Come into play, but really only being valid for a few turns. Uh, Shot of night is something I could toss up and weather the storm. Uh, admittedly, uh, th- that's not hundred percent accurate. As uh, <laughs> one of the one of the clever interactions with Sicario is that um, since a lot of the damage can just come from ability use, not necessarily attack ability use, you can bypass these. You can't be attacked. Restrictions.
0: Uh, but the the thing that really stood out to me is that it, it reminded me a lot of a Storm card that I used to use a lot called Stormwall, which is basically the same thing. You can't mm-hmm. be attacked except it it is on corners 1, 3, and 4 that you can't be attacked, and the second corner has an X on it. So it kind of shuts down for a turn. Mm-hmm. And that's, of course, when everybody does their damage, removes it, and whatever the case may be. But I didn't realize there was another, uh, combo buff in, in the game really that had that same effect that almost feels better than my storm wall <laughs> because it doesn't turn off for a turn. Like it, it, it still only lasts three turns, which I'm just fine with, but y- you don't get that, that opening, that gap where they can really shut you down.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thematically, I, I love. That there is that gap in Stormwall because it mm-hmm. makes me think of kind of entering the eye of a storm, and yeah. and during that middle portion, you are able to act normally. I mean, perhaps uh, shroud of Night was was tuned to be quote unquote better because we have uh, Dread has no ways to make our combos cheaper or <laughs> uh, or bring them back. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, but the 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 all you're able to get benefit out of all of the abilities because you not only are able to deal multiple sources of damage with things like abyss tentacles already in play but also get multiple sources of healing from things like abyss weavers.
0: If if you were to play this deck again right now, do you think there are any changes you would make?
1: I think Wanton Nerd and I are both in agreement that there are a lot of changes this deck needs <laughs> in order to be a, a tier 1 deck. Okay. We're not sure what they are. <laughs> although it is capable of, of doing a lot and it does have some defenses built into it um, i felt the deck was it definitely had clear weaknesses whether it's just being rushed down and not having a wall of bones in play or just buff removal uh, and damage reduction mm-hmm. those were the two big eye openers as they hadn't been Extremely prevalent and the uh, decks I play tested against.
0: Yeah. And, and I guess that's something to, that I didn't really think about right away, but most of your damage, like, e- even if you can do a lot of damage in one turn, I think it's coming from multiple sources. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, just a little bit of damage reduction is going to take a lot off of each one of those attacks.
1: I think the very first game I played was against nature and a Pollen Weaver came down immediately okay. and I just had to rethink my life choices. <laughs> uh, and, and really it just meant that I, I had to have specific targets for buff removal because yeah. the deck only has three Shadow Puppets. It's, it's not a lot. They're all burn cards. And so there's, there's definitely subtlety to the deck if you want to get the most out of it because it doesn't have the same answers that other decks do
0: before we get out of here is there anything else you would any bit of advice for someone who wants to maybe build a similar deck
1: i would say that the deck is the deck is strong like the things it does it does extremely well um you know when you when you're able to Uh, get this board set up you don't really need more cards you can just keep activating abilities and keep chipping away quicker and quicker and quicker while also healing yourself up the biggest things to kind of think about though when you have a deck like this is what are my crucial cards what cards do i specifically need to be in play versus you know what what could be left to the wayside Mm -hmm. Um, and I would say that's good advice to anyone playing against this essentially combo deck um, as well. You know, what, de- what cards does this type of deck absolutely need in play in order to function? Or what cards does this need in play to resist my strategy?
0: Well, I think that gives us a pretty good overview of a nice Dread deck. Like I said, I don't think we've had too many Dread decks on the show, so I'm, I'm happy to showcase another one. Thank you, Stephen, once again, for being on the show. If if someone would want to get a hold of you to discuss this deck or seekers in general any further, wh- where's the best place to do that?
1: Oh, man, for being a very online person, I don't have a lot of like, public online personas. <laughs> um, I, I don't really use Twitter. Uh, you can, uh, however, uh, follow my Instagram and send me a message. Okay. Um, that Instagram is Steven Lai, S-T-E-V-E-N-L-I underscore not Lee, <laughs> N-O-T-L-E-E. It's a quirk of my last name where it is spelled, uh, like Jet Lee, Li, but sure. um, our family pronounces it just a bit differently.
0: Fair enough. Well, that'll work for us. Uh, I'll be sure to put a link to that in the show notes and all that. So everybody can check it out along with uh, this deck list that we shared today. You'll
1: find a fun convention photos when you do.
0: Awesome. Always love those. So I think uh, that's all we have for this episode. And I look forward to, I think, seeing you again at PAX East.
1: I'll definitely be there. So, So everyone should swing on by and say hi to the Unplugged Vets.
0: A big thank you once again to Steven for coming on the show this week. If you want to find his Instagram or some of the videos we mentioned of his matches from Packs Unplugged, head over to the show notes and we'll have links to them there. The show notes can be found at deliverycrab.com slash 015. In those videos, once again, you'll be able to see this specific Sicario deck in action that we've discussed here today. If you just want to check out the deck list, that will be in the show notes as well. Otherwise, I think that's about all we have for this week. However, I want to encourage you to tune in next week as we'll have a very special guest, someone who has not been on the show before, but is going to have a lot of very interesting information for all you Light Seekers fans out there. I can't say too much right now, but stay tuned. Big things are coming, and I'll see you next week. But now it's time to go make some more deliveries.